0: welcome to secret sauce for success show number two
1: hi everybody you have tuned in to the secret sauce for success show where we strive to find the secret ingredients that lead to success we interview successful guests every week and learn their secret to their success we sincerely hope you implement these habits into your life and become the best you that you can be enjoy the show
0: What's going on, everybody? It's Rick Stahl, host of the Secret Sauce for Success Show, live from Colorado with my co-host, Doug Kierstein. How's it going, Doug?
1: Hey, Rick, it's going great tonight. How are you today?
0: Good, good. I'm a, actually, I'm a little sad. I had to take down the Christmas lights and it's just uh, putting away some brightness, you know, that, that comes into these short, dark days of winter. And uh, it'll, it'll be sad for me to see all the houses a little darker.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, man. The other thing about uh, this time of year is that the kids are getting back into school and we're having to go back to work after maybe even a couple of weeks of vacation. But uh, on the bright side, even with the COVID-19 virus, the kids have been out of school and they've been forced to spend a little time with their parents. So maybe it works out for people like you and me. It's good to have the kids around for a while.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See what we're doing. Right. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, today we have a guest, Alyssa Tippergan. Uh, what do you think about her?
1: Yeah, what a what a great gal she is! I, I was really excited after talking with David to uh, to meet his better half, right, and just kind of see who this woman is that that is such a good pair, you know, such a good partner for David. Because uh, usually a fella who has, I think, a, a fella who's really anxious to go out there and try new things and do all this kind of stuff, I think it's hard to find a woman who is excited about that kind of thing too. You know, like my wife, for example, loves to nest and to decorate and all of these sorts of things. And I think if I uh, offered to move her into a 400 square foot home with me and, and the kids, uh, mine might look more like a coffin than it would have. <laughs> 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 so I think it was great. It was it was really fun to meet her. And I was excited about that. And of course, she didn't disappoint.
0: Yeah, she sure didn't. She's uh, funny, energetic, smart, entertaining, uh, everything that I was hoping for. So. All right, without further ado, let's get to the interview with Alyssa Chippergan. Alyssa Tippergan, how are you?
2: I'm doing well, Rick and Doug.
0: Welcome to the Secret Sauce for Success uh, podcast. You're our second guest.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> thanks, thanks for making I'm time. Honored. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alyssa, um, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Um, yeah, so uh, my husband is David, who you've interviewed before, and I have three little kids. They're uh, six, three, and one years old, and we live in Littleton, Colorado, outside of Denver. And by profession, I'm a financial planner, so I just actually quit my 13-year career as a financial planner, like two weeks ago. And Wow,
0: congratulations.
2: Um, yeah. And I run an online business called Catholic Family Create. And we are a subscription box that sends monthly packages to Catholic families with young children to make it easier for parents to teach their kids about the faith. And then um, I'm an amateur Airbnb investor, a failed long term rental investor, <laughs> not failed, but retired, retired long term. <laughs> Rental investor <laughs> and um, yeah, just a classic workaholic, you know?
0: <laughs> yep. So we interviewed David last week and yep. the listeners got to hear his perspective. So can you walk us through a little bit of, the, uh, not a repeat of his story, but maybe just a slightly different your look on it. And uh, he was saying that you, uh, you guys wanted to figure out where you wanted to live by doing Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And then once you saw how lucrative it was, you Mm decided to do it yourself?
2: Yep. Yeah. So my story kind of starts a little bit before his, just because I studied financial planning in college. So my um, entire four-year degree was in personal finance. And so it was like very specific towards retirement you know, insurance, estate planning, like all the kinds of things you would need to know um, for your own finances, but also to help others. And so I got a pretty strong, um, very strong dosing in college of the importance of saving and keeping your spending in track on in check and all those kinds of things. So my very first job out of college, like out of just, you know, training i immediately like put 20 percent away every single month before it even came into my checking account and then with every time i ever got a raise i which was in the beginning i worked for a startup financial planner in new york city and so my pay in the beginning wasn't great it was like just enough to live and that was really about it so but i still was like okay i'm going to save 20 percent off of this like low starting salary that's really good Um, discipline Yeah. But as the company like grew, my raises were pretty significant, um, you know, pretty quickly, like, you know, 20% in the first six months and 50, you know, it it went up pretty quickly. And so my sort of model was, well, why do I really need, like, I like my life the way it was. So why would I really need to spend, you know, an extra 20 grand or 30 grand or whatever more a year if I'm perfectly happy with this? So what I would do is I would, but I also do believe in like rewarding myself for hard work and I was working really hard. So what I would do was the first paycheck that was higher post a raise, I would take that difference. So say the first, say my previous paycheck would have been like thousand dollars and it went up to 1500. I would take that $500 difference and like splurge, like go to a really nice restaurant, go on a vacation, buy a new handbag, like whatever it was to sort of reward myself for that raise. And then after that first paycheck, every penny of that $500 would go straight to savings. And I just like kept my standard of living the same. So then like I graduated from college early. So I was 21 when I started working. So by 25, I was like, I have more money than I know what to do with.
0: Wow, that's a good problem
1: to have. <laughs>
2: and I mean, at the time, like, it seemed like a lot, right? It really sure. wasn't that much, but I sure. felt, like, very wealthy. And um, my apartment lease was coming up, and I didn't have a boyfriend. Like, I had literally nothing tying me down. I was ready for a new job and all these things. And so I decided to quit my job and travel the world. And I had the money to do it, and it was great. Wow. So I quit sold everything. And I traveled through Europe and Asia for seven months. And that's a nice um, treat. Yeah. And as I started like kind of planning everything out, I realized, you know, this is going to be kind of sad without being able to experience it with some of the people that I love most. So I decided to take my whole family to Thailand with me. So, and I have a big family. So I flew out four of my siblings.
0: (laughs) Some days I'm like,
2: man, I wish I had all that money back. (laughs) 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 What could I have done with it? But at the time I was like, this is a great investment. So I flew all four of my siblings and my mom to Thailand. They all paid for like their, you know, expenses when they were there. But my two at the time, I was 25 and I had two sisters who were in high school and they spent the whole summer in Thailand, Cambodia and Laos with me. And I think what a great experience that they were able to do that at, you know, 16 and 18 or however old they were. So um, and then, so I just got
0: to say that, I mean, saving and then rewarding yourself and rewarding your family. I mean, that is huge. Right. I mean, that just shows you how important saving is.
2: Right. And like from an early age. So I met, well, David and I had met very briefly way before that, but we started dating like right before my trip, actually, really conveniently enough. Um, And so when we started talking, um, I don't know if David told you this, but like he was not a saver at all. Like he didn't know anything about money. Fortunately enough, one of his coworkers, like one of his first months at work had come by his desk and was like, do you know what the 401k is? And he didn't even know what a 401k was. (laughs) And the coworker sat down and he was probably like 20 years older than him. And he was like, log in right now to your, you know, whatever portal thing. And he was like, you're going to set your paycheck to at least save to get the matching because you're you're just an idiot for not getting the matching. So fortunately for that guy, he was at least... Getting the company matching for you know those three years or whatever he'd been working, gotta but take other that other free than money. That, he was like motorcycles, <laughs> like climbing gear, just whatever you know. So I got a hold of him and started like convincing him of the power of compound investing and saving and stuff. And I would literally get out my financial planning, like nerdy calculator. And I would run time value of money calculations on the phone. Like this was like (laughs) our relationship, right? I'm like, you save this much for 10 years and it has 40 years to grow. It's going to be this much. But if you save this much in 10 years and you only have 10 years for it to grow, it's going to be like this small. And luckily David's really intense, like I am. And so like, after, you know, a couple of those conversations, he was just like completely like ramen. He went from saving nothing to saving over half of his income a year. And, I like, think
0: maybe, maybe there's a side benefit of uh, dating you that might've yeah. helped encourage that.
2: <laughs> yeah. He was probably like, I got to get my stuff in order. If I want to continue. Um, so anyways, so. Basically, like that's sort of been this theme in my life that when I was kind of preparing for this interview, I kept realizing, like, really keeping our lifestyle in check and keeping our um, keeping cash in the bank has been something that's really made so much of this possible mm-hmm. um, when looking back. like it's hard it's hard to remember those like small steps because they were so long ago but it's really what I can see was sort of the difference um, that that really made things happen in our lives. So then flash forward and to David. Yeah, well, story.
0: can we just stop there for a second? So yeah. so Doug, you're a financial planner too. How, how does everything ring here?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's so funny. I, I uh, am sitting here listening and just kind of smiling about some of the things that I'm hearing. Uh, I, uh, you know, I think the number of people who are roughly in their 20s that I know of that think that way roughly doubled in this conversation here because nobody that young thinks that way, right? And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people who have talked to who are younger and I say, you've got to put money away. You need to buy life insurance now. You need to do these different things and they don't want to do it. They want to go drink beer with their buddies. They want to go do any number of different things. And, and I think it's great that, uh, that you're doing that. But it's funny, there's a story that, um, that I can tell as well uh, and I'll keep it short because this is not me being interviewed, but um, my wife, when we when she and I first started dating, she was um, sort of a, a hybrid between the way you uh, and David were because she would put a lot of money away, but she had no idea where to put it. So shortly after we started dating, she came to me and she was really excited and said, I just put money into a CD at the bank and it's going to grow and it's going to be great. And I said, well, okay, so how long is your your uh, maturity on that CD, how long do you have to leave it in? She said, it's a year. I said, okay, great. In a year, we'll go sit down with the lady at the bank. So she gets her statement, and, and boy, this wind came out of her sails, and she saw how poor of an investment that CD was. Oh. Kind of a funny story, but right along those same lines. So, yeah, it really is. It's, a, it's great to hear that the two of you are thinking that way, and not at all a surprise based on what I know.
0: And, you know, one of the most important things, like young investors, hopefully our audience here, trying to figure out how to start, you know, you can, you can look at, try to analyze deals and, and try to get going. But I think the first step is to spend less than you make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, very simple. Yeah. All right. Because so where'd you we, go?
2: When we that? first, like all this time period, we had never thought about real estate. Not even once. We had never like thought about being business owners, like none of that. We were just like normal, you know, W-2 employees happily working away for the man. Hadn't even thought of doing anything different. Didn't even know that that was possible, you know? Um, So then uh, we moved from DFW to Denver for David's job. And when we moved And again, like we, David had a house before we got married and we got married and we were only living in Fort Worth for like six months before we moved to Denver. And, you know, had we known now what we, had we known then what we know now, we probably would have kept that house. But again, we weren't even thinking about real estate. So we sold that house and then started looking for houses in Denver. And this was seven years ago, Airbnb was just starting And I had heard about it from a friend or something. I don't know exactly how I even knew about it because it was still like so new. And David's company was gonna pay for a hotel for us for the first month of living in Denver while we looked for a house. And I'm like a big I love living in like a desirable location. Like for me, like I can't just live anywhere. I really like to know an area and make a good decision so I was like I want to get there and spend our time getting to know the area and really find out where we want to be Um, and so a hotel just doesn't really help you because they're typically like right off of a highway like they're not in a neighborhood so we looked at airbnbs instead of a hotel and we found a number of them that were like someone's basement apartment or a back house or that kind of thing Um, But at the time, like there were maybe four one bedroom type neighborhood, Airbnbs in all of like Denver and South of this huge area. So it was really new. And so we stayed like a week at each place. And I think we stayed at three or four different places. And then we got to know the people who were renting out a part of their house. And they were all like, this is amazing. It pays our mortgage and that was sort of the first time for us that we thought well this is a good idea because you know we had sold our house in texas for a hundred something thousand dollars and we're moving to denver with a six percent cost of living adjustment on the salary and the houses at that time were like still crazy expensive they're cheap compared you know (laughs) If I would have known then what I know now, I would have bought every house we looked at, you know, <laughs> but it still seemed insane. Like we were like, we're going to spend $300,000 on a dump. Like, you know, yep. now that dump just sold for almost 600,000, years later or right. six years later. But anyhow, yeah. you
0: got your, your appetite whetted by seeing uh, what yeah. could happen.
2: Mm-hmm. So then what? So it first came from just a desire to keep our expenses low. Like, here's a way we can live in Denver without having a $2,000 a month mortgage. So we bought this house um, and with the full intention of living in the main level and airbnb being the basement. Okay. Um, so then we did that and it did. It paid for the mortgage and we basically lived... I think I averaged it out one time. And for several years, we basically spent about $700 a month total. Like that's including lawn care, you know, bills, mortgage, everything to live in our house. So it was super affordable.
0: And you know, like the Airbnb does take a little uh, active management. Yeah. Correct. How, How many hours a week do you think that takes? Because it is a job, right?
2: So I would say if you're living above it, it's more because people are on vacation and they want to chat and they might want to borrow like a random spice or get your advice about stuff. So it takes more time if you're going to like physically run into the guest.
0: (laughs) Okay. How how Um, many hours a week? Five? Ten?
2: I mean... I would say if you don't live right there, like maybe it could take two. Oh,
0: two hours it's not a week. Very time consuming. Oh, okay. That that's not too bad.
2: Yeah, like you can we had all our messages, like our welcome messages and our check-in, all that stuff was automated. So we were basically just dealing with issues that came up or specific questions. So maybe and a little learning up front. You, yeah. And sometimes you can have like a crazy week where you're like everything feels like it's exploding and this feels like a full-time job. And then you can have other weeks where you're like five minutes and you're done. So it's not super time consuming. I never did the cleaning ourselves. Like we always hired a cleaner. So there wasn't like the cleaning side of things, but I know plenty of people who like do the cleaning themselves and keep the cleaning fee as part of, you know, their income as well.
0: Okay. So you had success with uh, Airbnb. Mm -hmm. Then what?
2: Then our kids got way too loud to live above an Airbnb. (laughs) So we had our first baby and then our second baby in the Airbnb and everyone was really nice. But the toddler was just like, you know, it sounds like a herd of elephants at 6am running above someone who's on vacation and that's not okay. Right. So we got to the point where we were like, okay, this house doesn't make sense to use as an Airbnb, but we had bought it for that specific purpose. And it really wasn't like a family home. Like it was an up down duplex, you know? So Mm -hmm. if we had stopped Airbnb-ing it, it was like, well, what are we going to do with a second laundry room and a second kitchen and all this kind of stuff? So we started thinking we really need something different for our family like this house doesn't work for our family if it's not also being used as an airbnb um and so i don't know if david we don't even really need to get into this but then we had some crazy ideas about like traveling and tiny house living and all this kind of stuff so um our neighbors had a back house a 400 square foot back house Um, And they had someone we had some friends that were living there and they were moving. And this is all around the same time that we're starting to think through our next options. And so we decided, well, what if we see if we like tiny house living before we like buy an RV and sell everything by moving into their house. And what if we see how our whole house does on Airbnb instead of just the basement.
0: Okay, and was was this before or after you David gave you some hallucinogenic mushrooms to convince you to go live in a tiny house with two kids?
2: No, I'm the one that pushed the tiny house with the two kids. <laughs> Everybody thinks it was David. His parents, so David's parents are immigrants from Eastern Europe. And when we told them we were moving, his dad called him and said, You you have to understand Alyssa is an American. You cannot have her live like we do because she is not like a foreigner, and we're not, you, you know, you're used to having not nice things and living in small spaces. But Americans, they need something different. And like, they were like worried we were like on the fast track to divorce or something. <laughs> so he was like, No, it's her idea. Like, she's the one. And then his parents were like, Okay, never mind. Like, if it's her idea, go for it. But they were all, everyone was concerned that it was like David pushing me and I was the one that was like.
0: We jokingly referred to you as St. Alyssa.
2: (laughs) No, it's St. David, really. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's
2: be clear. (laughs) So how did did that
0: turn out? I mean. Not
2: really, like David and I are both like super adventurous. So like neither one of us takes a lot of convincing for any of these crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, someone should really kind of table our um, enthusiasm sometimes but we don't have anyone <laughs> to do that so we just kind of go with crazy
0: things so how'd it work out this crazy adventure and how um, big was the place
2: 400 square feet
0: 400 like living in a converted garage
2: yeah small yeah i think like a one car garage okay and it was old like really old so and it wasn't set up to be a tiny house. Like it wasn't like what you see on YouTube where beds fold out and, you know, tables fold down. Like it was just an old house, Um, you know, and we had a, so that was, I think maybe more difficult than the tiny living, like our, we had a small fridge. It did have like a freezer component to it. That was like maybe the size of, you know like a large computer screen or something. But it didn't auto defrost like it was that old that you had to take everything out once a month, put it in a cooler and like let the ice defrost off of it. And the oven was I don't know. It was it was just really old. OK, <laughs> like, so know, you're all the things. That were- so you're
0: surviving in this tiny house ish. And how is and you were trying to rent out both top and bottom of the Airbnb? Yeah, so that did
2: really well. So we would either rent it as the entire house to like a large group, like a large family, or uh Denver has a lot of you know, golf tournaments, softball tournaments, that kind oh. of thing. So we'd get like, you know, three families who were coming with their middle schoolers for a oh. softball tournament. We got a lot of wedding guests, you know, like people who were going to weddings um, and, you know, grandma, grandkids, everyone was staying in the house kind of thing. And then when our preference was always to try to rent it together as like one big group because it was just always less like one group to coordinate, less issues. Um, But if it was vacant... Or time. sometimes big groups just don't travel together. Like in the middle of the school year, you don't see groups of 10 people typically traveling together. So then we would rent like the upstairs unit separate from the downstairs unit. So
0: oh, do you think it was worth it?
2: The whole experience?
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Wow. Yeah,
2: That wow. was like a part-time job, you know? Okay. Like income-wise. Yeah.
0: Okay. So... You know, David already told us about the adventures off buying the duplexes down in uh, yeah. Dallas. Uh, how about we switch over to your, uh, what do you call it? A box delivery yeah, system? Yeah, it's a
2: subscription box. Because
0: I believe at this time you started, you were starting to head down this road at that time.
2: Yeah. So I can't remember the exact timeline, but about three years ago, I guess it was probably right around the same time we moved into the tiny house. I don't know. Maybe it's like a quarter life crisis or something, but. Just decided to change a lot of things at one time. And I had personally, so I had always kept working as a financial planner. So when we moved to Denver for David's job, I started looking for jobs here as a financial planner. I was still working remotely for the company I had been working for in Dallas but I was the only remote employee and I just knew it wasn't going to be a good long-term fit. Cause it's hard to like advance in your career. If everyone's at the office and you're the one person in another state. Yeah. So, um, but the, it was just kind of different here. It was like a different vibe. Most of the people I kept trying to meet were like, Oh yeah, like I'm a lifestyle planner and they, you know, didn't, they weren't running big enough businesses to hire someone to work for them. So I ended up finding um, a like outsourced financial planning position. And so I worked hourly for other financial planners all over the country. And it was super flexible Hmm. because I was like always super work oriented. And I never, I don't know, I hadn't really thought about what life with kids would look like for whatever reason. So when we had our first baby, I had no intentions of not working Um, but I also like, didn't arrange childcare or anything. Like it was, I don't know what I was thinking. I think I just like had this disillusion that I was going to have this baby and like everything was going to work out. I don't know. But then I had the baby and I was like, I never want to leave this baby's side. Like I went from like, you know, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder and blah, 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 blah. To like, no, I like never leaving this baby's side. So having kids like really changed you know, I think it does to everybody, but for me, it like really changed my perspective on all this stuff and what I wanted out of life. And so, but my job was nice in that I could do it while the baby was napping or, you know, at night or David would like go into work a little bit late if I needed to have a meeting in the early in the morning and that kind of thing. So I continued working. Um, but the same thing kind of happened is that we turned into, we were always a two income working family, but we never had a lifestyle that required both of us to work. So we like had maintained our, and then we had the Airbnb that was paying most of our living expenses. And so we sort of just like had this dream that was sort of a pipe dream, but we had spoken it out loud a couple of times of like, well, wouldn't it be cool if, like, we could each work, but also both have a lot of time with the kids, like, because we both liked our jobs, and we both wanted to work, but we also both really wanted to be, like, present parents, mm-hmm. and um, anyway, so that, that's just, like, one little seed there.
0: And that just, you guys just start talking about it, dreaming about the future where, you're, you know, you can have time with your kids, and maybe yeah. not work so much, and
2: yeah, okay, Um, because again, like I wasn't working because we needed the money to support our lifestyle. I was working because I loved it and it was flexible and I was able to be the mom I wanted to be while still working. And like, for me, I, I love to work. So like, it helps me be a better mom to work. Like it just, like, I just, it fuels me.
0: Right. Um, So how did this box idea come about? Yeah.
2: Okay. So then the box idea came from my own personal struggles of, like my kids starting getting a little bit older and I started like wanting to teach them about my Catholic faith. And it was like really overwhelming because I was busy. Like we had this Airbnb. I was working when the kids were napping and sleeping and stuff like that. And you know, then all the meals and the diapers and the laundry and everything was just like piling up all the time. And I was like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to make time to also like do their faith formation and in the catholic church there's like we have all these different like celebrations so pretty much every day is a different saints feast day is what we call it okay and um like a lot of catholic families celebrate those days not every day but you pick kind of like your favorite saints or the saints your kids are named after whatever and you celebrate those days and so i would get on pinterest and you know, search the Catholic mom blog world and try to find things to do and some months I would be really successful at it and other months it would be like, this is insane, how do I have time to do this plus like all the normal things? So for a long time it was just like, why doesn't something like this exist where it's delivered to your door and it makes life easier for Catholic moms with little kids? And then finally, I felt like it was like God kind of like bonked me up on the head and was like, why don't you start this? But again, like I have no experience. I didn't know anything about online business. I'm not a theologian. I like wasn't an artist or graphic designer or anything. But what I am good at is like executing and organizing people to like do all these things. So I basically built up a team that does all these things so we have theologians we have sacred artists we have illustrators writers copy editors like we have this whole huge team that comes together to pull these off every month and the thing that's so interesting about all of it when i look back is like i never would have been able to start this i would have never like let myself start it if we hadn't had great financial success previously because i didn't need this to be a money making endeavor it was like totally a passion like calling project you know and i we had the cash to invest in hiring a team to make this great before we had the customers
0: yeah so you got to be, be able to kind of
2: like leading up to this like really interesting thing of like now i get to do something that i really love and i feel really passionate about that I didn't even have an idea for before, A. And like, if I hadn't made all those previous good financial decisions, we wouldn't have been able to like do it or we wouldn't have felt so like, you know, not worried about it, if that makes sense.
0: Sure, sure. Having that freedom to to, yeah. to experiment. Yeah. Let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. Here at Stall Realty, you are number one. I'm a realtor with HomeSmart, and my job is to make sure you are satisfied. Here is what one satisfied client of Stall Realty had to say.
2: "Rick stall was an awesome asset in helping our family find a home that checks all our boxes. He is patient and committed. I would recommend calling upon his services.
0: One of my favorite mottos is making milestones memorable. Buying or selling a house can be overwhelming, but with my guidance and expertise, I can make this process as smooth as possible. I can be reached via email at stallrealty at gmail.com or text, call me at 720-429-3303. I look forward to hearing from you. And now back to our show. And right. and I and I bet you didn't just build your team overnight. It was probably a multi-year effort to find the right people and, and try to refine your process. Because I one thing that I've realized in life is if you're at least try, you know, and don't be afraid to fail, right? right. You know, here you could fail because you had the backdrop of your financial uh, conservative saving or um, so you could fail. And yet, you, so you could. So you're starting to build your team and it, it probably took a little bit. Right.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And oh, yeah,
2: I mean, it's been like two and a half years and it's not even recognizable. Like we actually were cleaning out the garage the other day and we found the very first box we ever sent out and it was like a different logo, like all, everything was so different, you know, it takes a long time. Like it, it takes a long time to build the right team, to build a brand that like really represents your vision to like figure out what your customers want to figure out like for us it's really important like our customers are like busy moms you know and so it took a while to figure out like what is helpful like in the beginning we were sending things like glue and tape and like all these little things but we also found out that our customer base is you know they're making a financial sacrifice to get our boxes every month like most Catholic families don't necessarily have tons of disposable income. Like, you know, a lot of them are single um, working families. A lot of them have large families. So it's not like our box is an investment and a sacrifice for their families every month. And so it was figuring out all those kinds of things is like, they probably don't want to pay to have glue delivered. They probably have glue, Mm -hmm. but they'd appreciate getting, you know, a new piece of artwork to display in their homes or that kind of thing. So it took us a long time to like figure out our, who our audience was, what they wanted, what was helpful, like what, you know, just all those things have taken a long time.
0: So can you tell us about the business now? I mean, so this has grown into mm-hmm. this. What, what do you call the box business?
2: Catholic Family Crate.
0: Catholic Family Crate. And I assume that you didn't start with that name.
2: I did. The name you did?
0: No, that's, that's catchy. That
2: hasn't but you know what's funny is like everyone hated the name. Huh. My family was like, it's not a cool name. Like I think of Apple and Coca-Cola and like all these things. And I'm like, look, like we're a niche business. Like I want people to find our website and know like, oh, I'm a Catholic family. This is for me.
0: <laughs> right. I wanted right. It
2: to, you know, like we're not going to be Apple ever, you know, right. We're like a niche business. And to me, it's like, I didn't want people stumbling on my website and being like, is this Catholic? Is it Lutheran? Is it like, I wanted people to be like, this is for me. Oh, is it for old people? Is it for teenagers? Like, no, it's for families. Like, so it's very basic. Like, it's not a fun name.
0: Target your audience.
2: Yeah. But I wanted it to be like super clear you know like and all that points back to like the busy mom right like i wanted it to be like a mom lands on our website and she's not having to like spend five minutes to figure out like what this really is
0: very good and like feel free to jump in i feel like i'm uh dominating the the interview here
1: yeah. i am listening, that and that is i find it interesting this just this, this uh The idea of the business and where that came from. I'm curious, is it a, um, is it like a pre-packaged deal or do people go through lists and kind of choose the things that are important to them and you customize the box for each one of your.
2: No, it's the exact same for everyone every month. Yep. Interesting. Yep. We had, we did a little bit of variations in the beginning, but it just got to be really like almost impossible to kind of grow and scale once we, like once I wasn't fulfilling out of my, like packing all the boxes out of my garage anymore, it was like, okay, this needs to be something that is easy to hand off to a fulfillment company and they can like execute it every month. And because I knew really quickly, like that was uh, another thing that was interesting too, is just my journey as like a mom was like, I don't, like my kids were little, I didn't want to miss out on those special years with them because I was just growing this business. And so I have had to be very strategic in, so I kept my financial planning job until literally two weeks ago um, because it was really well paying and really flexible. And so it enabled me to say, look, I'm making X dollars an hour over here I can pay someone20 dollars an hour to do this or you know, whatever. So I really tried to outsource from the very beginning a lot of my work at Catholic Family crate that was not like required to be done by me um, just to kind of balance it. So it was a lot of, yeah, and it continues to be like a balancing act to figure out how to be a business owner. And the kind of mom that I want to be. And there's a lot of late nights and early mornings and um, weekends and that kind of thing. But over time, it's getting, you know, better and better.
0: So how many uh, customers do you have right now?
2: We have, we send 850 boxes a month.
1: Wow. Very good. What's your, uh, what's your goal with this? Where, where are you trying to get to? Or, or is it just sort of open-ended at this point?
2: Yeah. I mean, I would like to keep growing it. Like we are... Um, we're essentially like a curriculum, like almost like an at-home Sunday school type curriculum. Um, And so now that we've created our curriculum, it really doesn't make a difference in my life how many subscribers we have, you know? Like it doesn't, like we create the curriculum. So if we have 25 people, we're doing a lot of work for those 25 people. If we have 25,000 people, it's not like that much more work on my end. So I would love to get it into the hands of as many families as we can, because we just, you know, our inbox is full of people who are like, this has changed our lives. Like this is, and especially over coronavirus, like so many of our subscribers, their income was affected. And so many people reached out to us and said, you know, my husband and I sat down to review our budget because our income dropped 20% or whatever. And so many of them said, you know, we both decided we would never cut Catholic family crate out because it's just so integral in our families and informing our children. And so that kind of thing is like, you know, I want it to get to as many people as possible because it's fun. It's easy. It's faithful. And it's just been like such a great gift to, to my family. I use it with my kids, just like all of our subscribers do and it's just really like such a gift
0: wow sounds like quite the blessing to to you and the others
1: yeah Yeah. that's great that's great we're running a little bit short on time here i'd like to kind of jump back to the the real estate piece of of what led you guys to where you are and get a couple of of your thoughts to kind of finish up Uh, number one david was telling us a little bit about going out of some of these properties now and having some cash sitting there and some of the plans and thoughts. Has. I'm curious if you kind of share those same ideas with him, or what you might like to do with some of that money. What are some of your thoughts as to your? To your
2: My current thought is to sit there and do nothing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> why? Uh, why is that?
2: I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just feel like um, no. I mean, I'm fine doing something with it, but like we had some years that were really tight from a cash flow perspective when we bought the house, I think that David told you that we bought like a house from a hoarders and um, like the we bought it with cash thinking we would just be able to turn around and refinance it like that next week and we weren't able to. And so then we had to float, the entire remodel with cash. So it was like a year of like, okay, like we went from never having cash flow issues to a year of like, where, like, how are we going to pay the framer? And you know, like, what is this? So we had a year of like, Oh my goodness. Like, and I know that's how most people live. And it was just like, how do people live like this? this is so stressful. So now to have, extra cash in the bank is just really nice (laughs) it's like oh we can breathe again you know we still have to do our entire exterior of our house like it's still like the gutters just have like holes everywhere the roof has to be redone like it's still a mess on the outside so and the garage
0: too i heard
2: yeah so we're putting a garage in and stuff so that's not a fun investment thing but i think um i don't know maybe like David has talked a little bit about like wholesale and all that kind of stuff. I guess for me, it's like, um, you know, we've worked really hard to get to where we are now. And I just think that like, and this is not my personality, so it's hard for me because I'm definitely a workaholic, but like our kids are little and I don't want to just like have wasted all that time working and working and working. So now I feel like it's sort of time to be like, look, we've built some really great things. Why don't we just like enjoy life and you know, reap the rewards of some of those things? Um and I also think like not that I'm disillusioned with real estate. I am a little, but like for me the having my own business has been just so much more rewarding, both from like a financial perspective, but also just from like, I enjoy the, the way my time is spent. It's something I'm passionate about. I'm not passionate about Airbnbs. Like maybe some people are, but I'm not really, you know? So I just feel like for myself, I would rather devote like all of my time to that because I think it's a better, like, it's a better use of my time because it's like my zone of genius, but it's also like the, how the, uh, earning potential in something that's more like open-ended like that. Feels could you more- use
0: that money to build your business? What? Could you use that money to build your Oh, I could, business?
2: but I don't, I mean, I don't really... Think I'd do that? I guess I could. I don't even know what I'd use it for. (laughs) Okay. I'm sure you could. You could always invest more money in the business. But I feel like it's growing at a good pace without any kind of like cash. And you know, I have, I've, we invested, you know, a couple, you know, like maybe twenty thousand dollars in it in the very beginning. But other than that, like it's just continued to like fund itself. Cool. So, and I didn't like I didn't pay myself for over two years. So part of it was like, I was just earning sweat equity and in it. And so, um, you know, just reinvesting everything. So yeah, I don't know. That's not very exciting. I know David's talked about wholesale and I don't think I have it in me to do a fix and flip again, but I don't know what David would want to do.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think you'll know when the opportunity hits, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah, I think we're just waiting for
1: now, and you know, there's a lot of options. But <laughs> yep. yep, very good. Um, I, I wanted to, uh, sorry, Rick, excuse no, me. No, go I ahead. To, to ask your opinion on something too, as a financial advisor, uh, and uh, I don't mean to get into any sort of a political discussion, but we, you know, just to uh, have had the election, and it looks like Biden may come into office. I know there's still some questions about that, but he's talking about changing the capital gains taxes and short-term capital gains, and of course that is going to have a significant impact on people who are thinking about getting into real estate investment. What are your thoughts on on that? Does that impact you and your thinking at all? Or It doesn't sound like maybe from what you've said, but uh, does that change anything as far as what you're thinking about?
2: I'm like the worst ever at news and politics. How is he going to change? What is he going to change about short-term? Capital well, he wants rate. to,
1: in, he wants to increase the short-term capital gain,
2: uh, oh. short-term capital
1: gains tax. Now, he hasn't been specific as to what that looks like or what the looks timing right. on that's going to be, but, um, you know, there's all, always all kinds of talk. I'm a political junkie, uh, and there's always talk about how people who have significant capital gains, a lot of wealthy people, I'm sure as you know, who who make their money from capital gains right i mean a lot of people who don't take a salary but instead take withdrawals from their business and take right. grow up out of their business or cash in shares of stock and that sort of thing and anything that's passive including real estate is going to be impacted by those changes in the capital gains tax so uh, do you have a concern about what a, what a change in the capital gains tax might be Yeah.
2: I mean, that would be really interesting because, and that's one of the things um, that has been interesting about real estate is that, you know, by the time you like really strip down the numbers, some years we felt like we were making a lot more than we were. And then by the time you pay the taxes and everything, you're like, You know, like we had, I'm sure David told you, we just sold one of our Airbnbs because we realized like we have so much equity in this house and we're making good money on it, but then we're being taxed on it. And if we put all this equity into even just like, you know, a S&P 500 ETF or something, we could literally do nothing with it. And over 20 years, make more money and like, it wouldn't require all the effort and the pain that the Airbnb is. And this one in particular was five houses down from ours, our house. And I tell you, every time something would go wrong, it was right in the middle of dinner. And we have three little kids and I'm like, I don't want my husband to be fixing a heater in the middle of dinner and bedtime. Like we need all boots on the ground from four to seven. Like this is a critical time. So, but yeah, I think anytime stuff like that happens, it's just like, people have to sit there and, and reevaluate, like, is this the best way to invest my money? Because I know in a lot of markets, especially in a market like Denver, People have a lot of equity in their homes and they have to realize that, you know, is this the best use for all this equity or is this not? And all the, yeah, all the gains and the tax rates and everything just kind of.
0: So you, you paid capital gains on that. So when you sold that Airbnb, you didn't do a 1031.
2: So what we did was we had lived in it for two out of the last five. Ah, Very good. Residents. And we sold it like maybe 15 days shy of being out of that. So
1: <laughs> we were good. like, we
2: really need to get this done because it was gonna be like, you know, 50 or $60,000 in capital gains. And we were like, that's in taxes. And we're like, that's a lot of rent money, you know?
0: Yeah. yeah. Plus
2: then to have that equity so, and I don't know, I mean, and again, like this is not me talking as a financial planner because I don't even really deal with the investment type of, type side of things, but I just cannot um, imagine that the economy is not going to be affected by like everything, all the shutdowns and like everything has been so crazy the last nine months yeah. and I just I know most of our you know community is hasn't been affected from a financial standpoint, but there are so many people who have been and at some point this is all gonna, you know all the stimuluses and all this and all that. I don't know. So I'm sort of just thinking let's hold tight with the cash and see what happens you know in the next couple of years. I just feel like right now the economy is, not stable enough for me to really feel comfortable making like huge moves.
0: Very good. Yeah. And I just got to say, Doug, I I was able to just close on a house uh, what last week and, and because of they were, the owners were concerned about capital gains and I had cash and able to do a quick close at the end of the year. And so they were able to, you know, avoid any increase of capital gains and gave me an opportunity. So we'll see how that turns out. So
1: yeah, interesting.
0: All right. So, um, we should try to start wrapping it up, but, um, what do you do for fun besides work and everything?
2: (laughs) I like to work. I like to to read to my kids. Uh, we try to go hiking once a week as a family. So we like to hike and be outside and
0: Perfect. I like
2: to sleep, you know, in a couple hours, I think.
1: (laughs) And where can... That's funny.
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah, that's got to be busy doing all this. So where can listeners find you or find more about the Catholic Crate?
2: Yeah, so we're on Instagram and Facebook at Catholic Family Crate. And our website is catholicfamilycrate.com. So pretty easy to find us.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Perfect.
1: That's awesome. I, I love what you're doing there. I think that's so cool. I'm a, a man of faith myself. I'm not Catholic. I'm uh, grew was raised Lutheran, uh, and uh, now we attend a non-denominational church. But I think that um, in this day and age, again, not to get political, but there's so much it seems attack on faith and things like that. I think it's great that what you're doing. I love to see it. So
2: yeah, thanks. you and good
1: luck to you.
0: Yeah. So thank you, Alyssa, for uh, making time out of your busy day to to join us. And we just wish you the the best.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. You're welcome. Thank you.
0: Wow, that was quite the interview with Alyssa.
1: Yeah, she's great, isn't she? What What a wonderful and just excited and excitable person she is.
0: Yeah, so what, what were some of the main takeaways that you, you got from the interview?
1: Well, I thought was, it was really interesting how the two of them were so different, and their stories really jived about, uh, about uh, how he did things one way and she did things another way, and uh, how they came together and how he, she kind of, quote-unquote, straightened him out and helped him kind of see some of the opportunity that he was missing. And it was cool to hear that from the two points of view. But also beyond that, I thought it was really interesting how her path is different than his. David still likes real estate, still likes the investment. She's got a a mission, really, literally a mission, right? A a business that she's starting, and it's a a faith-based ministry, ministerial type of of business, sending out these boxes to these Catholic families, and I think it's a fantastic thing that she's doing. But what really jumped out at me with that is that she did that out of passion. And with that, she was willing to work for two years on that business without being paid for the time that she put into it, at least not monetarily, right? I'm sure she got a lot of of gratification from doing that. But I think that's a great lesson to learn for anyone who is thinking about starting a business, is thinking about doing some investing. It's not necessarily going to happen quickly. Things will start slow. You'll make a mistake here. You'll make a mistake there. You learn from what you're doing. She even talked about some of the mistakes that they made early on. Uh, And so I think it's important that people take that and and really file that away. in the definitely going to happen category. If you're going to start a business, something to keep in your mind. I thought that was a really interesting, uh, interesting part of the story. Sure. Yeah, I agree. What about you, Rick? What did you take out from that?
0: Well, I, from the other interview, I really thought it was her that or thought it was actually David driving the show to get her into a, a 400 square foot house uh, with two kids, you know, young kids at that. And it's actually uh, Alyssa that was right with him, uh, pulling them into that that small house so they could drop down their, their expenses so they could have more cash on hand. And I think, you know, uh, just that whole philosophy of having cash on hand and willing to do, willing to sacrifice, uh, just like she did with her box business, uh, willing to sacrifice short-term for the long-term gain of or opportunities of cash. And who knows what it's going to bring.
1: Right, right. No, that's funny. Even, uh, pardon me, even his parents called him on the phone and said, dude, you got to be careful. You're dragging this woman into a 400-square-foot house. She's going to leave you. He said, no, you don't understand. She's dragging me. Oh, okay. Well, then you're good. the No problem.
0: Yeah, well, I think we're just going to have to call them both, uh, you know, saints.
1: Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> right. Well, they're certainly well suited for each other. I mean, if there was ever a pair, a match made in heaven, I think that's probably it. You know?
0: Yeah, such great people.
1: Yeah, really, really. Well, that was fun. I'm looking forward to the next one.
0: I know. I I, I don't know. It's going to be hard to top that one, though.
1: <laughs> right. Well, that's what we said before, but we did it. So, you know, <laughs> we're on a roll. Just got to keep it up.
0: <laughs> yep alright well as always Doug thanks for uh, uh, being my co-host and helping me interview these great people uh, do you want to take us out of here
1: yeah that's great you bet Rick I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it thanks for having me and uh, everybody thank you for tuning in listening to what we had to say we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have and we look forward to uh, having another great interview for you coming up here next week have a great evening
2: Thank you for listening to the Secret Sauce for Success show, where we find the secret ingredients for success. We all want to be successful in life, so let's break down the steps it takes to get there and learn from other people's journeys. We hope that through the stories you hear on our show, you will find success in your life.